When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your 2024 inaugural edition, I believe. Brian, joined by John as always. John, how are you doing? Yeah, man, we're like cooking like all these. Look at the show frequency. Gotta love it. I mean, just just as a quick aside to that, John and I kind of, I think it got to a point where we just needed a break from trying to cause rehash all the same takes about a team that just was not very good. So Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it can be... There's only so many things you could say. I mean, I feel like this is it's not uncommon when the team is bad in any sport where like, you know, we're yeah, it's just it's for for certain things it can be harder to to get yourself up to do extra things yeah. like this. <laughs> A funny aside quick just summing up the end of the season is when people find out because I at work a lot of times I'll it'll come up that we're talking sports and they're like, "Oh, what team do you like?" because I'm in Eagles country and Yeah. And uh, I'll be like, oh, I'm a Panthers fan. And then oh, I found out that a lot of your general NFL fans do not realize that the Panthers traded away the first overall pick. So when I tell them that, they just kind of like get real quiet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably the right way to react to it. I don't know. Yeah. That's how I feel every time. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. And the people who are for the most part responsible for it are gone at this point so the gift that keeps on giving yes yeah good segue into the first thing that we haven't talked about since the last show the last show we talked about frank reich being fired and uh scott fitterer made it to the very end of the season and then was let go at the end which made made sense to me um so yeah he's gone now he can't hurt you anymore um (laughs) Obviously, the Panthers don't. The Panthers have a decent amount of cap space compared to the rest of the NFL. Obviously, they don't have a lot of draft picks, but that could change between now and then. But overall, seemed like the right decision at this point, even despite the, the attempts to try and be all right. Just at some point, somebody had to eat it, and yeah, everybody did. As far as the main head, the main heads of the of the team from 2023 so any any additional thoughts on scott fitterer john or just kind of no, move I, on from that <laughs> i think so it's one of those things where like i think we talked about it over the course of the season uh and like as things were going where it was like if you kind of see his moves as like if you went one by one through every not everything a lot of things he did you could like see the the reasoning behind it, right? And you could justify it, be like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, uh, you know, I get what he's doing there and all that stuff. Um, so like 
on that side of things, I was always like, I, I totally get why, um, you know, you could keep him around because you could say like, well, in the moment, if you don't use hindsight, he doesn't look like he's making terrible decisions. But the other thing that's and it's the easy way to justify firing him is like, if you just look at the Panthers and their current situation in its totality, like, I don't know how you justify it. Right. Like, so I could say like, oh, this is why I wanted to trade for Bryce Young. Be like, OK, that makes sense. Whether or not you agree with it, you can at least generally see what the idea was all that stuff and then you say like well now you have the worst roster in the league the like some of the worst least amount of draft capital league and and mediocre amount of cap space how did you do that and that's kind of like i don't know how you keep your job with that kind of resume right i I said it go ahead (laughs) ahead. i was like it's like i i uh (laughs) i said it in the thing where i was talking about brant tillis was like the the fact that the the Chiefs going into 2024, like this offseason, granted they had to fill out their roster more than the Panthers do, but like that's not a big deal. Are basically in the same situation from a roster building standpoint in terms of like they have one free agent that's a defensive lineman that's going to need a big payday. But then the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl and they have a $50 million cap hit for their quarterback and they still have like the same amount of cap space going into the offseason as the Panthers. Oh, that's depressing. Like, like, I mean, they're like a, a, a few million less, but like the the fact that it's even close is like how how it, with the same amount of cap left do you have the polar opposite rosters? So yeah, I, with all that said, like I can't, I don't know how you can complain about Fitter being gone. Not that I was gonna say that I was like calling for his head, but you can't really defend keeping him around, right? No, it's it's just it is what it is at this point. So. But a little bit of a point of contention, and we don't have to talk about this too long, but a point of contention since letting him go is that the Panthers chose to promote Dan Morgan, the assistant GM, to the current GM role. And granted, they brought in Brant Tills as well to manage that, the like cap and contract side of things. So did not go outside the organization for GM, though I don't. I don't really feel I, I'm, I have a hard time really like making a making any kind of determination about Dan Dan Morgan and his potential as their GM because we really don't know anything about what he what his side of things was aside from his involvement with the Bryce Young pick. Right, I think it's I mean it's the same thing that we talked about like during the the like I mean I, I did talk about it on the show but like within the comments and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, you can't really have an opinion on general manager candidates like you can Mm -hmm. but like no it can't have any sort of substance unless they've been a general manager before because you don't know how much weight different people have in different decisions within the building right so like there's there's no way to know what like obviously he contributed to the mess that the panthers are in but we don't know how much of it is all of his doing like he still was an assistant to somebody else he didn't have the final say in things so right uh you know not to say like everything was scott everything bad with Scott Fitter and everything that would have been good was Dan Morgan, but like, we just don't know. So I don't think you can yeah. feel super strongly one way or the other. Um, and not that it matters. It's, I mean, obviously this is super relevant to the, the current situation, but the last time the Panthers had a really good general manager or a really bad general manager with an assistant general manager, that assistant general manager worked out really well. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and that's Brandon, Brandon Bean in, um, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Brandon Bean up in uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. was the assistant under Marty Herney. I think he was here when Marty Herney was the first time. He was and... here during that and when Dave Gettleman was around, too. Yeah, so he was here for the Marty Herney era and the Dave Gettleman era, which I don't think you could say either of those were particularly great. I guess Marty Herney's the end of his first time was okay. Um, right. And then he went on to Buffalo, and now I feel like he's just like a like a staple, like mainstay, one of the better general managers in the league. So, you know, yeah, I mean, everybody's had bad it, bosses before. Right. Everyone's had bad rosters before. Everyone's had bad decision makers. I think my thing with, uh, with Morgan was that he was being groomed to be a GM from the get go. Like he was in Seattle with a lot of their current coaching staff, which we'll get into a little bit. Then he, he went, he was also in Buffalo um, to serve as kind of that under underling to Brandon Bean as well. So, I mean, somewhere at some point, Dan Morgan was going to get a GM job. So yeah, I yeah, guess we'll not- see. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like this is just a, a Panthers thing where like, oh, the Panthers just like try to get brownie points by uh, bringing on the, the the local guy. Like he, this was right. he's he's been regarded this way from outside the organization for yes a while. From yeah, so so yeah, I mean, at this point, my opinion on Dan Morgan is I will leave it. I will just let it go into the off season, see what free agent moves he chooses to make, see what draft picks he chooses to make, and. That's that to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, I'll just yeah, I'll just judge him when he with the stuff he does. Yep. Not gonna, yeah, not gonna jump the gun there. Yeah. Then the uh, then the head coaching search was very interesting. Um, so in the end, the Panthers ended up getting that quote unquote hot shot offensive coordinator, young guy, in Dave Canales, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator from last year. Um, and, you know, he, this is, it's kind of, <laughs> at the time, people were kind of disappointed because it wasn't Ben Johnson or any of the other, you know, higher end more guys with more proven uh, resumes in the NFL. But then Ben Johnson just decided to go back to uh, Detroit anyway. So it doesn't, he wouldn't have been an option to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously, yeah. And with the benefit of hindsight, like knowing what we know now, um, the Panthers yeah. very could have easily ended up in the situation of the commanders because it seemed like the commanders were like, we're going to hold out for Ben Johnson as long as we need to. And then he's like, nah, I'm good. And yeah. look at them now. Um, yeah. They have, they have Dan Quinn. So they basically replaced Ron Rivera with another Ron Rivera clone. Maybe, maybe right. a little less, maybe a little less, uh, I guess, old school or in his habits than Ron Rivera, just because Ron's a bit older and had a lot more experience as a head coach. But yeah, it's, could have been that. Instead, the, I feel like what the Panthers did was they got the one guy out there, aside from maybe Ben Johnson, that can potentially save Bryce Young after this disastrous rookie season he had, which, regardless of how you feel about the pick, the trade, or whatever, I think we can all objectively say first season didn't go well. And Canales <laughs> is, yeah, Canales is definitely the guy, probably the only other guy I would have looked at and said, okay, maybe he can figure it out from Ben Johnson, just because he worked with Russell Wilson. He worked with Baker Mayfield. In fact, Baker Mayfield, we all watched him in 2022. He was fucking terrible for the Panthers, regardless of what happened. And he, a lot of it was, was self, a lot of it was a self mutilation on his part. Cause there were a lot of times where the pocket was wide open and clean for him and he make a terrible decision. He didn't look comfortable. So that's a lot, a lot of that is coaching to get someone to improve that much from one season to another. So I mean, even and as we know now, 
again, hindsight, he uh, allowed the Panthers to retain Ejiro Evero because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So he didn't have to rebuild the entire coaching staff. He just had to build the offense or the offensive coaching staff around Bryce Young. Yeah, I think that's a, a big move, uh, keeping Evero around. I think uh, uh, I think everybody would have wanted that. And so the fact that he yep. was willing to or able to or whatever keep uh keep everyone on board is a big a big win for the Panthers coaching staff. And as you know, staff. as you know as 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 you know one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, factors that plays into any decision that a team should make is the comp picks. And uh Oh, of course. Because Ejero Everos is sticking around for another year as a defensive coordinator after going through a couple head coaching interviews. If he decides to leave next year and go be a head coach somewhere else, the Panthers get comp picks. And I know everybody loves comp picks. So hooray. It's a great think, decision for that. I, 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 I think the number one most important part of roster building is being able to get that extra pick at like 112 um, mm-hmm. in the draft. Yeah. Definitely yeah. I mean, more the last important time than having Panthers, like a good coach. Yeah. The last time the Panthers had a third round comp pick, it turned out to be Will Greer. We all know how that worked out. <laughs> Pretty well, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty sure it'd be all definitely. I mean, how could that guy not pan out? Yeah, right. It gave them the flexibility to trade up to go get uh, Greg Little. Also, also a great move. Yeah, also a wonderful move. Yep. So, you know, it's Dave Canales is one of those where I could very much see 2024. I mean, as we all know, it's still the worst, currently the worst roster in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, I could see 2024 being real rough for him anyway, regardless of what kind of coach he is. So I think that's going to be, you know, two to three year experiment, see where it goes. But overall, I like listening to the guy talk. I mean, he's very passionate about the, about the game, but he has a lot of insight that he adds as well. And uh, the players apparently love him. I mean, all I was reading from from Buccaneers players was how much they liked working with him and talking with him and stuff like that. So Anytime you can get a head coach who's as much of a nerd about offense as he is, that's that's can be a win. It can work out very well. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's I think I mean it's what everybody wanted, right? It's just you know maybe yeah. not the the name, but mm-hmm. definitely the idea, right? Yeah, and like we said, it, maybe the name that, it, that most people wanted wasn't even a possibility anyway. So no, nope. doesn't sound like it because again, as you said, Washington seemed like they were pretty much all in on him and I'm sure they wouldn't have, they would have uh, paid him what he, what he was asking for if he really wanted to take the job. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then he brought his buddy along Brad Idzik, which I just thought it was hilarious when I found out that we all, we all talked shit on uh, Ron Rivera and his nepotism. And we all talked shit on Matt rule and his nepotism to start his uh, Carolina Panthers career. And they literally hired the guy who's reportedly fucking Dave Canales, friend, basically. So, I uh, mentioned it in the article about Idzik and Canales about how hot they are because they're both very attractive. <laughs> let's be real. Um, but I, it, I'm just looking forward to the uh, the the bro com- the bro uh, coaching combination. I think that'll be really fun to see behind the scenes videos and whatnot. Get a yeah. little buddy sit- buddy rom com sitcom, whatever you know. I, I feel like they're coming in at the right time because, like, you know, everybody. Gave gave Rivera and uh, Rule like everybody's upset about how much nepotism seemed to go into building their staff, and then how poor. And then it was like Frank Wright came in. It's like yeah, we're going outside my my circle, and that was like even more of a disaster. It's like okay, never mind. Hire yeah. people that you like. That's fine. I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm over that nepotism thing. And and to be fair, the nepotism still isn't like 
as bad as we've seen. Like he hired his best friend to be his offensive coordinator. That, but other than that, like it's not like that. He still went. He kind of he he was you know he went around and got some stuff like people from different places. It wasn't entirely like old they, buddies. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, there was still that Seattle connection with him, which I think is uh I think is good because Seattle during his time there was very was a very well run organization. Um mm-hmm. they didn't really they didn't do a whole a great job of uh the with the offensive line as far as that goes for Russell Wilson. But aside from that, I mean a very well run, very well co- coached organization. Um and again, as far as that nepotism point goes, it's like a healthy medium because he's He's an offensive guy. He always has been. And so having a Giro Evero just handle the defense probably takes a lot of a lot off his plate where Matt Rule's first year. He was like, all right, I'm going to bring in my defensive guy. I'm going to bring in all these coaches from these colleges I worked at for the offense. And then Joe Brady out of nowhere. Um, so <laughs> all my guys know, a, little, Brady, a little yeah. less nepotism. Yeah. And people with proven NFL experience at the very least, even if some of them like Idzik and Canales himself are uh, – don't have a lot of it at the at their current roles or any of it really at their current roles. So, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. Yeah, I just, we'll see I, what happens. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, yeah, there's any any thing to complain about. I know, I know, like on the first batch of assistants that got hired, it was like I remember going through and being like, all right, this is where this person served, and they're coming off a situation where the position they coached didn't do so great. So I know there there might be a little bit of trepidation over that. I don't know how much people are aware of it, but you know, uh, right. there's a lot more to it than just you know if 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 the wide receivers were bad, that means the wide receivers coach was bad. Like it's not that simple, but um, yeah, it never is. No, but we'll see. I, 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 it's like I'm cool with it. I like the ideas. Um, everything is very I don't know like modern, like what you'd expect mm-hmm. from like a current NFL team in terms of how they've set up their staff and. What I think their ideas will be and stuff. So, I'm uh, yep. I'm 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 pleased. Yep, they have their work cut out for them going into the combine and free agency. I mean, looking at the Panthers roster, there's about probably the only position they that they theoretically shouldn't address is quarterback. Just with uh, Bryce Young and Andy Dalton, regardless of how you feel about Bryce Young. Um, <laughs> so. Everywhere else really could use some kind of infusion of talent. And uh, between the wide receivers, obviously needing some more top end talent, DJ Chark's going to leave, uh, you know, tight ends needs need more top end talent since Hayden Hurst turned out to be, I don't know if I'd call him. I mean, he kind of was a free agency bust, but he also missed a lot of the season with a really terrifying concussion. Um, then on, then on like the defense, obviously the offensive line needs depth because we saw them, struggle a lot when their top five were not all healthy um defensively they're going to have you know most of their edge rushers from last year are not going to be on the roster brian burns will probably be back in some capacity whether it's uh on the franchise tag or if they work out a long-term deal which we'll get to that in a little bit but overall just the whole roster needs to be over over uh overhauled a little bit um so yeah, as far as that goes, I know you uh, did did some work at the com- on the combine, though you know probably though there's all always more we can do. But any thoughts on particular <laughs> positions that we should be watching for at the combine or anything like that? I had six players that I <laughs> talked about. I think the the obvious one, like the obvious position, is wide receiver. I think there's a right a, a fair amount of players that 
obviously like this is all just based on like mocks and stuff but i think there's a pretty fair amount of wide receivers mocked around the range that the the panthers will be picking so the panthers are picking 33rd which is the first pick of the second round first pick of the second day um and like depending on where you look there is like a pretty good sized crop of like a half dozen wide receivers or so that are all kind of projected to be around that range um both like deep threats like kind of like speedster guys like troy franklin from from oregon and then there's like these kind of possession guys like uh lad lad mcconkey which is just a great name that are like more possession wide receivers and then and then uh one of the other guys that i wrote about was uh sorry i got distracted was uh malik washington from virginia where he's one of those guys that's been like absurdly productive but everybody's like ah, he's too small and then he just like kind of keeps dominating like he dominated the shrine bowl and it's just like i feel like those kind of guys uh there's always like one of those guys that like just they dominate but people are like yeah but there's no way that's going to translate and they jump up a level and then they dominate again and then so i don't know that's i think somebody to watch um i you know admittedly my my research hasn't been super deep yet but those are kind of some people that like popped off when i was kind of looking at like all right who are some guys that i don't know their testing can make a difference like like I said in the the thing that I wrote, which is you know only a couple of posts down, like you know, if if like Washington or McConkey test show like athleticism that people maybe don't expect, that probably helps them, that boosts them a lot. And then if like Troy Franklin, who's kind of slender, is a little bit heavier and still just as fast as he's expected, I think that helps him. So it's just like little things like that. But at the end of the day, like I don't know the combine physical stuff that we all see. I don't think it makes a huge ton of difference outside of like drafting, you know, you want to make sure we talked about this a couple of years ago. Like you can't draft bad athletes for the most part. Yeah. And if you do, you have to have a really good reason for it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like yeah. They have to. Yeah. Like, yeah, not, not like prioritize athletes in the draft, but like, it's kind of like a pass or fail thing. Right. Like, all right. Like, is this guy, this guy looks good. Is he athletic enough? for it to work and i think as long that's kind of the thing you're paying most attention to outside of like the significant outliers yeah i mean oh go ahead it's just kind of like a bell curve of acceptability right like you know if you're on like the the far end of either one it's like okay that that either if you're extremely if he tests like extremely athletically or extremely poorly then that's like a thing that i think can affect draft stock otherwise all the people that are kind of in the middle and kind of do what they're expected. It's just kind of like, okay, yep. Like good. Sounds good. Anyway. And then I'll, but we'll prioritize like what we saw in like actual football games. Well, the nice thing about this draft, and I don't know if it's nice, but <laughs> the Panthers can pretty much afford to take whoever they have at the top of their board at really any position because yeah. they can use them. Um, people people don't talk about the benefit of being really bad all across your roster is that you don't have to be picky when you're getting new players. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really have to make them fit any in any particular way. <laughs> um, just get a guy who's really good. Um, for me, wide receiver definitely should be a, uh, a priority. Um, I know that there's kind of two schools of thought on the Panthers of uh, 2023 offense, one of which is that the, the wide receivers didn't do enough of Bryce and others school of thought is that Bryce didn't do enough for the wide receivers. Obviously the offensive line factored in. So 
but I'm excited to see them take a wide receiver. And I really wouldn't worry about like, I don't want to call it a stupid thing, but things like size um, or even like the weight they have on just because right now the Panthers just need bodies like high end players who can do well. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anybody that's established themselves. Like if we're talking about wide receivers, like no yeah. player currently on the roster has established themselves at any one spot that to like, be like, Oh, we can't take one. Like we're not going to be like, as even though he was probably the best receiver on the team last year, no one's going to be like, Oh, we can't take a slot guy. We already have Adam Thielen. Like, right. So, you know, if the guy that you take, you think is going to be best in the slot, you take it and take him and figure it out. Um, there's not, it's not like there's like an established, like, it's not like if Jonathan Mingo had a breakout year on the outside where you're like, Oh, well, maybe we should lean towards someone that's more of a possession receiver, or like, like, you know, a short area guy, but no one's, no one's taken rain, like taking hold of any spot. So. No, no. And with the, even with a 33rd pick, that's not a spot where you say, okay, well, why can't I draft this guy to be my number one wide receiver? Because that's not, you don't always get a number one wide receiver in the second round. I mean, you you would hope to, and it certainly happened before. Um, mm. But overall, I think you're just looking for difference makers um, at 33 and throughout the rest of the draft, obviously. So wide receiver, interior O-line, edge edge for sure, just because the Panthers are losing, you know, even if they keep – well, they, I, I know they'll most likely keep Brian Burns unless they trade him away after they franchise tag him, but – even with Brian Burns factored in that equation, they still are losing Marquise Haynes. They lost Justin Houston last year. I mean, they released him, but still. Um, they, they're going to lose Yeter Gross Matos unless they can bring him back. So they just need bodies there as well at the edge. Um, so, yeah, this is one of those drafts where just anybody really anywhere can can work, can be a good pick. So, um, as far as free agency goes, and even the draft, the, the one big question mark that everybody's talking about and we were talking about it um yesterday on csr uh brian burns so oh that's a whole doozy of a situation (laughs) (laughs) um so before i get into any of it just a reminder that a lot of times when these uh reporters are coming out saying that this so-and-so's camp is asking for this much so-and-so's or the panthers camp is offering this amount there's usually some strategic motives behind that, behind the scenes, um, especially from a PR standpoint. So I don't always take those for face value, but allegedly Brian Burns still wants the $30 million a year that he was asking for last year. And the Panthers are supposedly, according to Joe Pearson, uh, they were willing to go up as far as $27 million per year on average uh, for Brian Burns. So it's a complicated situation, especially since the Panthers really need to add talent this year, or just around just around Brian Burns as well. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that situation, John? Well, I mean, if they're that close, I feel like they'll get it across the finish line at some point. Like whether it takes a franchise tag or not, you know, I'll probably take a franchise tag because they're both going to try to hold out for every cent they can. Yeah, but I I, I think. I don't know. I feel like people are going to uh, maybe kind of cringe at some of these, like the dollar amounts around, but you kind of, as maybe not, this is maybe not the best kind of way to look at it, but the Panthers are so bad. Like they, they kind of have to keep, like they don't have any leverage. They have to keep Burns, you know, yeah. like, like even if it feels like an overpay, like at some point you have to pay somebody 
and you have to pay your good players and you need to keep your good players around um you know like by the you can, if if you're you're never going to have a whole team of like everybody's underpaid or everybody's making exactly what they're worth like you kind of have to they, the Panthers kind of have to pay a, like a, a bad team tax right now to say like hey I know like your career has been wasting away on this roster but please like please stay here um because if you leave we have like no good defense we have one good defensive lineman and uh we're going to just have so far to go to be a competitive team that we have to keep some competitive players, even if you have to slightly overpay for them. Yeah, I agree with that. And actually there was a point that was brought up today or yesterday. Well, sometime this week, depending <laughs> on when this gets out. Um, Sheena quick on Twitter brought up the optics of the situation for future free agents, uh, future rookies coming out of their uh, rookie contracts that right now, how they treat Brian Burns may have a ripple effect on how they how the process goes going forward with mm-hmm. both bringing in new free agents and retaining the guys that they want to retain. And I get that actually. Um, well, the other because... thing that I think people, sorry to interrupt. The, uh, yeah, you're good. the other thing that I think people like kind of forget, like when they're talking about players and uh, who you know, like kind of like you, like you're saying, like kind of doing right by them and making, you know, how it affects future. There are that many agents in the NFL. So like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, even if it's not that player, like they have to deal with that agent again too. And if they're not negotiating in good faith or they're playing hard to get other being difficult, like the agent has a bunch of other players that they represent most of the time. And they're going to be like, yeah, I don't want to deal with the Panthers. Like you see that you right. see that kind of stuff kind of comes up all the time where people there are like little surveys and things where like who's the worst agent to deal with which team do agents hate to deal with and stuff like that and you don't want to be that team that like this agent doesn't want their clients playing for because he doesn't want to like talk to that front office because they give him a hard time right right and uh, yeah the Panthers don't have a lot of leverage I mean they can franchise tag Brian Burns and keep him around if they want they could do it a second time if they really want but ultimately the the best way to get at the best thing they can do in this situation is to give them the extension, even if they have to overpay a little bit, because then they can reduce his cap hit for this year, where they're going to need to spend some money in free agency just to functionally improve the roster so that it's not right. nearly as bad as last year. Um, on top of that, Frankie Louvu is also a factor. Um, if they can sign them both to long term extensions, then, you know, that at least it'll reduce the cap the cap hit for this year and next year and then you figure it out down the line going forward but yeah my i didn't really think about it the way that that way as far as the optics part of it but yeah i mean the panthers are a really bad team they uh they're in a very bad situation objectively just looking at them as a potential free agent who maybe wants to go win a super bowl you know you're not really going to take that a small discount to allow them to be more competitive like right so I don't know. It's a really bad situation. Hopefully, I mean, if they can't work something out with Brian Burns, and hopefully they can tag him and trade him, hopefully get a first-round pick out of it. I'm Unless they can get the two-first-round pick offer that they had on the table a couple of years ago, I feel like that would still be a loss just because then they have to address the edge rusher position. And they're not just missing one. They're missing, like, three guys at that position at that point. So then wide receiver, interior O-line, all major major uh priorities as far as trying to find talent there 
Secondary definitely needs an infusion of talent as well, especially if they move around, like if they decide to get rid of Dante Jackson, for example. So having all those moving pieces and then having to then replace two starting edge rushers, that looks real bad. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not a not a yeah. situation you want to be in. So you kinda have to Yeah, you kinda you kinda have to just kinda make the Panthers kinda made their bed, they have to lay in it, right? Like it's just yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, and it's not the same I mean, it's somewhat some of the same front office, but it's not the same front office that's gonna be negotiating with Burns this season. And hmm. I mean, I know they had like a twenty two to twenty five million dollar offer on the table for him last year. Maybe they can Maybe they can come meet in the middle somewhere, get like twenty-eight million or something like that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a shitty situation because Brian Burns has always seemed like a great guy. I mean, it, he admitted that he was worried about getting hurt uh, in twenty twenty-three, which I don't blame him. I mean, it became very obvious not even halfway through the season that the Panthers were not going to be anything competitive. So I mean, I know yeah. there's a lot of fans out there who didn't like that, but I mean it was kind of refreshing just to hear like, maybe this is why I wasn't as productive. Like, because I mean, we're all out there to make money. We all have careers that we are trying to make as much money as we can in. And he's just trying to capitalize on the next five years of his career where he's going to make the most money. So it's like, right. I know I why mean, it would piss people off, but I do get it. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could get it, but, not, I don't. I guess this maybe is like a little bit belittling to people's opinion, but I feel like it's very dehumanizing to think of the person as like you. Should, like, don't worry about your personal like uh situation at all. Like, you need to sell out for the team because I like the team. Um, you know, like yeah, like you said, they got to take care of themselves. They got to make their money. It's not there's no. It's not greedy to try to maximize your your worth while you have it, especially for NFL players whose whose shelf life is so short. So yeah. And I know the whole take, well, they're millionaires, they're making millions of dollars, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I get it. I get it. I do. But at the same time, in five years, no one's going to be talking about this contract negotiation, regardless of how it goes. Unless it goes really bad and they, like, trade them away for, like, a seventh-round pick, then maybe it looks bad, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, no. Hopefully it, that's not what happens, but, you know. <laughs> also, if we're talking about it, like, in the short term, like, obviously, you know, we'll see how things shake out if they sign them to an extension and how it looks down the road. But, like... It's not like the Panthers need to be pinching pennies to make sure they can like maximize the 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 talent on the roster this year, right? Like this has just got to be the first step of building towards the future. I don't I don't think you know if they have to spend an extra two or three million on the cap hit this year, it's not like we're like ah, would really really nice to have that extra couple million dollars to sign another uh another corner or another offensive lineman, but now we can't afford it. I think that's just kind of like oh oh well. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the formula a lot of times for winning in the NFL now is to do as much as you can while the quarterback is on the rookie contract. So, I mean, I get uh, from the standpoint of looking at Bryce Young as a long-term fixture for Carolina, I get it. But at the same time, this 2024 is going to be year, a year where they're most likely going to just have to take their lumps unless they blow the draft class out of the water and they yeah. find some high-level free agents for contracts that they can afford i mean it's just one of those situations where i think you just need to set up carolina for the best long-term situation and certainly retaining brian burns after letting go of dj moore and cmc over the last couple seasons is going to look a lot better to uh potential guys like jc horn if he can get healthy and stay healthy for signing a long-term deal and any anybody they bring in that ends up 
working out as a rookie. So I don't know. It's a complex situation. I kind of just hope they figure it out and it's, the numbers don't hurt too much um, to look at. That way we can just move on and analyze what they have going on going forward. And on the same front, Frankie Louvu, I mean, they need to pay that guy. Regardless, he is the he is very very good. He's definitely one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I mean, he's been he's accounted for quite a few sacks for an off the ball linebacker as well. Um, so I mean, you know, just pay that guy too. Pay that guy too, and then kind of try to figure out fill out the defense beyond that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think yeah, I think they just have to bring those two those two guys back. I don't know if anybody else is super important i'm sure there's guys that prefer to have back but other than that yeah yeah i mean like marquise haynes and and yeter gross matos makes sense but beyond that i mean not really i mean they have some depth corners they have sam franklin in the secondary but beyond that not really i mean aside they got to figure out the miles sanders situation but that's a whole other conversation (laughs) yeah i don't think well i don't think that's well i don't know if there's much to solve there because like unless they can find a sucker that'll take him and pay him like either. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way they structured that contract is they can get out of it in two years without much of a, an issue, but well, two years from when they signed it, like one. Yeah. Year. Well, like two years. Yeah. So next year they can get out of it without much of a hassle. I mean, that was kind on. of most contracts last year. Right. I think it was, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Cause I feel like last year when the Panthers were winning the off season, uh, it was like, man, all these like everything, is going great. We're signing all these players that can, you know, put together a decent veteran roster and uh, all they got. And if it works out, all of them are still under contract for another, like they have a whole second year where they'll be under contract and stuff. And now after basically every free agent signing flopped, except for Thielen, it's like, ah, well, I wish, I wish they were all one year prove it deals now. Yeah. I wish we hadn't done that, but yeah, <laughs> they kind of like the point, like, like, and that's to circle back to where we started, like, uh, Scott Fitter, what, like had a, what I thought, I think most people thought was a good off season last year, especially with the free agent signings and stuff. None of them worked. Right. So yeah, you know, yep. You live and let what you and live now, and learn, I guess. And now we're stuck with, with them. Now they, they turn out to be mm-hmm. mistakes that the Panthers are stuck with. So, yep. So beyond that, uh, outside free agents that we can discuss. Um, so wide receivers, just number one, I have a feeling that T Higgins was one that was brought up a lot at the trade deadline last year. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Bengals are just going to franchise tag him. Michael Pittman too. The Colts would be stupid to let him go after they just spent high draft capital on the, on uh, Anthony Richardson as well. So, yeah. I don't think we're going to have that wide receiver who comes in and saves the receiver room right away. I mean, maybe Mike Evans, there is that Dave Canales connection, though I have a feeling the Bucks are going to do everything they can to retain him because there's real, there's no real reason not to. He's been the probably the most productive wide receiver in the NFL from his rookie year to now since he got in the league. So I don't know if they're going to let him go. Um, there's no way the Bucks. if you said there's no way the Bengals let T Higgins go, there's no way the Bucks let Mike Evans go. Like, right. They just found, like uh, he's like the one of the best wide receivers ever and he had a, one of his he hasn't tailed off a bit and he's like vital mm-hmm. to the success of I mean they have Baker Mayfield at quarterback and they aren't really positioned to get uh, a like franchise elevating quarterback I don't think the Canales ties outweigh the like Buccaneers career ties that he has no because Canales was only there for a year so yeah it's right. not like there's that long-term 
connection between them, even though I know Mike Evans has also spoken highly of Canales, but so, yeah, I mean, at this point we're looking at maybe the, probably the second tier wide receivers, maybe your wide receiver twos, like Hollywood Brown, mm. like, um, I just looking at, uh, Calvin Ridley, like, you know, that's the, that's kind of where I'm, Odell Beckham, maybe like, you know, it's going to be more of the same of bringing in guys that, probably want to get paid like wide receiver ones that aren't wide receiver ones. I think that unfortunately Carolina is stuck in that situation where they they either have to improve the wide receiver room by bringing one of those guys in and hopefully the uh, committee kind of approach works out for Bryce Young or they just draft a wide receiver or two. Hopefully they draft. I mean, I, I would still sign one and then draft one or two wide receivers just, just because, but you know, they don't pay me to make those decisions. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, beyond that, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's just a it's a rookie class or not a rookie class, a free agent class where they can find some talent at corner, they can find some talent at tight end, they can find some talent at offensive line. But I don't think they're going to find anybody in free agency that's going to wholly solve any of their problems more so than trying to patch them up a little bit. Yeah, a couple other names that are interesting. Uh, Gabe Davis would be like DJ Shark Part Two, <laughs> and then. Uh, uh... Gabe you know, Davis, I I think you know he's been good for Buffalo and in, in, in for what he's asked to do. Um, so he would be a great addition, be, simply because of his uh, the way the where where he's made his money, or even I guess like you know, kind of resided as far as uh, making making the most of his talents is actually uh, scoring touchdowns off on uh, off schedule plays, which is something that we know Bryce Young can do. Yeah, so. He would be a great signing if they can get him for cheap. I just don't know what I don't even know how to evaluate his free agency because he's never been like a a strong wide receiver too. He's one of those guys for Buffalo where he's always fallen on. And I know this because I had him in fantasy last year. So <laughs> believe me, I've been tracking. Um, but yeah, he's one of those where he's not very consistent. He's more so that guy where you could just you draw the play up, the quarterback gets out of the pocket, and he's open down the field, forty yard touchdown. That's a lot of what he does. Like, yeah, yeah, so. no, it's he's a the thing is he's a threat. Like, mm. he, he does it doesn't always hit, but his his ability to score those touchdowns from like the other side of the field make it stretches defenses out. Um, yeah, the quarterback the, can get the ball to him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the Panthers had biggest one of their biggest struggles was just getting separation across the field from. Because there were many snaps last year, not all of them. I know that. I know that it's not every snap. It wasn't all the wide receivers' fault, but there were definitely times where, you know, it's like second and ten, and everybody's blanketed, and then Bryce Young takes a sack. It's like you know, yeah. So a talent like him who has those physical tools to at least, you know, draw people away will maybe open things up for other guys. So, um, the other the other one that uh, is interesting to me, just because both of them are local ish, but. I don't think the Chargers can or will keep both of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. No, not after their their investment in a. I forget who they drafted, but they drafted a wide receiver. Yeah, they drafted some. Yeah, they drafted Quentin Johnston. So it's not like they need to keep all of them when they made that yeah. investment into him, especially so, if they though, still believe in him. Even though, well, if they still believe in him, um, he's pretty bad, but uh. Yeah, both like both Williams and Allen have like insane cap hits this year that the Chargers at the very least have to do a lot of stuff to like 
they have to do a lot of moving money around to be able to keep both of them. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, they maybe they do, but like, let me look at it real quick. Um, so yeah, uh, as of right now, Keenan Allen's cap hit for 2024 is 34 million dollars. Oh shit! <laughs> and Mike Mike Williams is 32. So that's wow. That is so much cap space to dedicate to one position. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. So uh, they saved 23 million by cutting Keenan Allen and 20 million by cutting Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think pretty fair to say one of them is going to be cut. Uh, both have like injury concerns, but like Keenan Allen's from Greensboro, Mike Williams is from South Carolina, went to Clemson. So like I don't know, be cool. They're both kind of getting up there in age, but uh, especially Keenan Allen. But I don't know, they'd be kind of cool targets for the Panthers just to add some temporary like competency. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen's also not. It's not a similar situation to Thielen where he was falling off. Like Allen had a fucking hell of a year for the Chargers. Um, so yeah. yeah, I I I wouldn't be opposed to that. I know most likely if they bring in either of those guys. Panthers fans are not going to be happy with the contracts, but that's again the premium for being a really bad team. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, one last guy I'd like to bring up on the wide receiver conversation, John. I'm sure you're really excited to talk about <laughs> him. Yeah, Curtis Samuel's a free agent again. I, I what about yeah. a homecoming? <laughs> I mean, it would. I'd be fine with it. He's not bad. So my my thought process behind that, and that, again, this would have to do with if Curtis. Samuel even wants to come here, but they need guys who can separate. They need guys with speed. I mean, that's what he does. He he was that's all he's ever done. He's been very fast. Um good wiggle still can keep can get himself open. Um they could also use him as a motion guy because with that factor of being like the a pseudo running back at times, which we saw in Carolina, I think that he would be a really good addition just to add that that extra speed that you can inject into the offense. Um especially with the motion just to kind of get defense defenders out of position. Cause Carolina was didn't figure out the motion would help them out a little bit until it was a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, no, he's a good, a good gadget player. And I don't imagine he'd be too much to, to try to, to like from a cap hit perspective. Um, like other than, like you said, just don't know what the, uh, I don't know, willingness to come back. Cause even though everybody, you know, it's, it's an entirely different team now than it was when he was here. So, yeah, but oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't have the, the, despite the, as much as I despise him as a player, um, as much as I can't stand him. I know. It is, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you've definitely very fairly uh, portrayed my opinion of Curtis Samuel over the, over the feet, over the years. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah if, be... if only Brad were here, I would love to hear his opinion on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, yeah, no, I think yeah, Curtis Samuel would be a good get. Um, I wouldn't put him as like option one, and I don't, and he definitely wouldn't be like the step in number one wide receiver or anything like someone like T Higgins or Keenan Allen or those guys would be. But you know, and that kind of Gabe Davis tier of like, well, he definitely would bolster the 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 core, the the talent of the receiving core as a whole. Yeah, and he would diversify the talent as well. Same with Gabe yeah. Davis because the Panthers' receivers are for the most part guys who aren't overly fast and aren't really great at getting open aside from Adam Thielen. And he's really not fast. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a sliding scale of like better at getting open, but less fast. But the whole scale is like way is like really low. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think, I think Thielen will 
still end up paying off as an investment if he's used correctly in 2024 because you know every team needs that guy who can get you the first down on third and seven like right at the chains or something like that he's still good at that i mean we know he can do it um yeah you just don't want him getting uh you just don't want him being your leading receiver by like double anybody else yeah yeah you don't need him to be the guy you don't want him to be the guy who you need to throw the ball 25 yards down the field to and hope he's open enough for so yeah yeah like yeah again like i said and like this is very literal like you don't want 33 year old adam Thielen doubling the next highest receiver in targets yeah um yeah i mean aside from that in this free agency class i mean there's some edge rushers there's some interior linemen there's people there um it's just gonna be a matter of uh finding the right people because the thing that's I guess this is one last point we can touch on, but as far as the interior offensive line, man, that was a just a collection of crappy stuff that happened towards the end of that, uh, of the off or towards the uh, just during the season with the interior offensive line. I like, say though, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this was the inverse of 2022 where all of them stayed healthy. Um, so I mean, they can't really. I don't know why they go out and sign someone who's supposed to be a starter to replace Brady Christensen because Brady Christensen was really good in 2022. Uh, Austin Corbett wasn't great at times this year, but at the same time he was still kind of coming off that injury and stuff too. And he got hurt again anyway. Um, So, I mean, they kind of have to go out and find high level interior offensive linemen who can compete for a starting job or are going to serve as backups. I would think, because it doesn't seem like a good allocation of resources to go get another starting guard if Austin Corbett, because they're going to pay an Austin Corbett for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think you, I think you probably, given the injury history, probably try, I mean, I don't know who fits this bill. Try to find someone who's like borderline, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe pay a little bit more than you typically would for a, a rotational guard, just knowing that you, that's your, I don't know, likelihood of needing a backup guard is maybe a little bit higher. Right. And then plus Brady Christensen's making, like one million dollars so you know if we're talking about like budgetary allocations for positions like you can kind of capitalize on how little he's getting paid along with True. also with icky at that uh at, on the tackle at left tackle too so yeah 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 i don't know it'll be an interesting uh pure free agency period to watch um i really don't don't have any idea what they're going to end up doing. They haven't really shed, showed their hand as far as what kind of positions they're targeting. I'm sure we'll, we'll learn more as we get closer to free agency, as the Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu situations become more clear. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much else to add as far as the free agents go. And do you have anything else you'd like to add, John? Uh, that's about it. Just we got, you yeah. know, like basically a week. So we have a week till combine drill start and then another, what, three weeks after that till uh free agency yeah it's like around march 14th i want to say that free agency starts so Mm -hmm. yeah we got some time so anything else you'd like to talk about before we uh clear this episode up and we can join we can talk about more later on in the season yeah we got plenty of off season to 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 fill with with content so we'll find more stuff to talk about at some point yep well from all of us here at the keep sounding podcast this is brian joined by john as always We'll have some coverage for you on the free agency period and the draft as always. So stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you.